With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Oh, hello. Welcome to Leaf Sky, episode 11. Jim Taddy with you. Plenty, plenty to talk about. Yeah, there's that 5-1 blown lead to Ottawa on Monday night where the Senators win 6-5 in overtime on Scotiabank Ice in Toronto. Yeah, we're going to get to that. I want to thank Mike Ross, the PA announcer at Scotiabank, for introducing us here. Before we get going, you've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how Payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front-row seat in all of the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement every night, and it's simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the ice or playing court or field. It's simple. Each player has a salary associated with drafting them. Assemble a lineup of players while staying under the salary cap and sit back and watch your points pile up. DraftKings has paid over $7 billion to users all across sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using the code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's the code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Okay, to the hockey story. Not good. Wow. So let's take you through this. At uh, 1901 in the second period on a 5-1-3 goal, so two-man advantage, Matthew scores his 13th of the season, 5-1 for the Leafs on home ice. That looks pretty solid. Well, not really because... On the next faceoff, Leaf still in a power play. It looked like the puck had a restraining order. No Leaf could come around it. They couldn't control it. And before you know it, Paul scores at the end of the period for Ottawa, and it's 5-2. Let's go to the third period. 5-3 at 41 seconds. 5-4, 3-52. at 7-59. And you go to overtime, and you know, you know what happens in three-on-three overtime. Miss at one end, break at the other. So Mitch Marner had the slipperiest of moves. I don't know how he didn't score. Matthews had an opportunity. Marner goes down. Dadnoff goes down in the end of the rink. You saw it, 6-5, the overtime winner for Ottawa. So we have some concerns coming out of this. Then I'll set up the guest lineup before we get into the concerns. Bill Waters, our normal Tuesday guest, will be here. And he is uh, not happy with what happened Monday night. And Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun will stop by as well. So here are the concerns. The second line did not look good last night, and they tweaked everything. Joe Thornton was back. He looked great with Matthews and Marner. That that was okay. The offense was taken care of there. The second line of Tavares, Hyman, and Nylander. Uh, Hyman does his job. Tavares and Nylander look, uh, I guess for lack of a better phrase or word, 
lost. It's just not happening. That is no good. Uh, lack of response. We've seen that all year long. This team knew the game situation, knew how to respond. Lack of response in the Monday night game. And the, the big word that everybody had been throwing around to you, are getting sick of it. Oh, this Leafs team is mature. And I'm sure they are, but they, they were immature in the game Monday night. I mean, there's just a way to play when you have a 5-1 lead. And boy, they did not do it. Oh, boy, you're looking for reasons for the loss, and uh, you have a 5-1 lead, and there's really no description. You let it happen. Uh, Ottawa has to play a certain way because they don't have an abundance of talent. They're down 5-1. Hey, you know what? Been there, done that before. We know how to get out of this. And if you let us get out of it, we will. And that's exactly what would describe uh, what the Leafs did to Ottawa on Monday night. They let them get out of it. Coach Keefe said he was not happy with the second period. And if you go back to the, the game sheet, uh, the Leafs controlled this game in the first period. They outshot Ottawa 13-4, to yet in the second period, Ottawa outshoots the Leafs 15-11. to Now, that doesn't show up on the scoreboard, but Coach Keefe saw the seeds of the Leaf destruction in the second period. Uh, corrections, adjustments were not made, and you know what happens after that. At the end of this, we'll hand out the Yes Guy, No Guy Awards. Heavy, by the way, on the No Guys. But right now, let's hear from Bill Waters, former Leafs Assistant General Manager, and his take on what did or did not happen for the Maple Leafs Monday night against Ottawa. A big collapse last night. uh, And I don't know, what do you, what do you focus in on Bill? Because there's quite a, quite a uh, buffet line of errors there, isn't there? Yeah, it was disappointing as a Leaf fan. And uh, I still am. Uh, It's my time in hockey has not distracted me from wanting the Leafs to be successful. But if the Leafs are going to be successful, they have to readjust their thinking. My position or my impression of their game in the second period at the end after uh, <clears throat> Matthews had made it 5-1, to one, and say, oh, here we go. We can get this into double figures by the midway through the thir- third if we're really hot. But anyway, it turned out they weren't hot. And they had a goal scored against him with nine seconds to go. This should never have happened. So coach, he's going to have to make certain that when he is in a position to win a game, I don't care if he's up seven, he should have two very solid defensemen on the power play for the last minute just to keep the game under control because that's where they lost control. And then they, they, they had shorthanded goals scored against them on the power play, and that was one of them. And the, the goals in the third were just irresponsibly, uh, defensively unaware of where this game was going. Ottawa, in the meantime, knew at 5-2, to two, they were one goal away from being a pulled goaltender and a goal, and, and uh, they would be in overtime. And when you get in overtime... Even Dadenoff can get a breakaway, and he can score if he gets a breakaway. So how do you get a breakaway? Well, it really didn't matter at that point because they wanted to get a point, and, and so did Ottawa. I watched Ottawa play on Saturday against Winnipeg. They played a very measured, solid defensive game. Winnipeg has a lot of firepower. Didn't matter. It was 1-1 going in, and with about three minutes to go, the commentator at the time, uh, Dave Reed, said they better be careful with their goaltender coming out to play the puck. He's not great at it, 
and he shouldn't be doing it because he's going to make an error, and there's going to be confusion. There's going to be a goal. With eight seconds to go, out he comes. Couldn't pass the puck back to the guy behind the net. Stuck with it. Goal. Win for Ottawa. Ottawa beat Montreal in Montreal 2-1. to one. They've now beaten Toronto twice, once at home and once in Toronto. So you don't play this team like they're going to give you five in the third to make it double figures. And the sooner the Leafs find out how to do that, the less disappointment they will have when they get a team in the first round or the second. Because not advancing beyond the second round is not an option for this group. And they better start learning the fundamentals. And the fundamentals are you have to do the things that give you a best, the best chance to win. And they did not do that in the second period. And they sure as hell didn't do it in the third. It's all a big laugh. Give Joe a goal and we'll have a few chuckles. Eh, 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 eh. I like to see you have some fun, but I'd like to see you finish first so that you provide yourself with a playoff position that is second to none. Well, and you're talking about the coach. And so at the end of the game, he said that uh, he didn't like their second period and the rest of us may have been misled by the scoreboard. But having said that, if you didn't like the second period, then the adjustment should have been made. I mean, you nailed it right there. No, that, no. That, that, that's right. I, do, I don't know Sheldon at all, so I don't know how he comes up with some of his conclusions. But the fact remains that if he doesn't like a second period that had three goals scored on it for his team and make it five to one, he should have made, if he was concerned about that, he would have been watching it for 20 minutes. He should have supplied himself with a second defenseman on the power play. So they at least have a chance. And, I mean, it's not like it was a high goal scorer that got the goal. I forget. I think it was it Paul that got the goal. Well, it was Paul, yeah. Who got the short hander? But the fact remains that don't start telling us that you knew something about that game that we didn't. And I'm not suggesting that he doesn't because he, he's been in the business long enough that he can be subtle in his observations. But I wouldn't make them public. You're making an ass of yourself, and you're going to cost yourself your job. Well, it was it was Paul that got the goal. But when I when I was watching the game, what I noticed was after the Matthews goal, for the next fifty uh, seconds, the Leafs couldn't control the puck. It, it was like they got hit with pixie dust. It was unbelievable. Yeah, and and there's no there's no explanation for it. The other thing that they they have to call the captain and his winger, the Swedish lad who hasn't done anything since the first week of the schedule. Yeah. Into the orifice. Yes. And say, well, what is this? The special line is better than yours. Uh, the, floor, the third line is better than yours. When I say better, I'm just saying they get more chances. They get more uh, a possession in the offensive zone. Can you guys give us any indication of what, you, what you're planning? Do you have a team that uh, we could talk to, John, that would take your contract? We'd be happy to do that. And as for you, William, we'd be happy to do that for you, too. So you guys decide whether you want to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs or if you want to play for yourselves. And if you want to play for yourselves, I'm going to have to reduce your ice time significantly. I have never seen a captain of a Toronto Maple Leaf hockey team take less responsibility for the honor of wearing the C than this guy does. I don't like his work ethic. I don't like his effectiveness as an $11 million player, he'd, he'd make me call a board meeting. 
Well, and, and you know, when he started the season, he looked fresh. He looked um, upbeat, and, and he just seemed to have more energy. But that line, that was a huge void. They put Hyman back with Tavares and Nylander. That line was a huge void last night. Not good. No, and, and, don't, and you know, you've got 18 million on the one side, and you got Hyman, one of your best forwards on the other wing. I mean, Hyman will probably make that line better. But he can't do it himself, and the other two are doing nothing. And I, I don't, I'm not picking on him because I won't mention it again. Yeah. That, that's their business to look after their captain and, and, and resolve the mistake they made when they signed him. That's going to be their devil's, uh, their, their Achilles heel. Mm-hmm. Tavares signing at $11 million will never get out of the system. And it's too bad because there's more that he can do, and I, I, I wouldn't want to be his coach. Well, and they've, they've exhibited up until last night all kinds of uh, response, all kinds of maturity, and, and both of them were missing in action. It was just a hard thing to describe as we watched it unravel. And you knew it was going to unravel. You could you could just see what was going to happen there, couldn't you? Oh, sure you could. And yeah. it was too bad. You had, a, you had trouble fathoming it and saying, they aren't going to score four more and tie it. Don't, don't tell me that. <laughs> or three more in the game. But the key the key goal was the goal at the end of the second. Yeah. Short handed goal against the power play. Now what were the what was the power play doing? They were out to get points. They didn't give a goddamn about protecting the puck and keeping it in the offensive zone as if that would have been hard. They just didn't have that was not a part of their mindset. They were shocked when they touched the puck, Ottawa. And they were even more shocked when it went in the net. So that's fine, but they're, if, if they're going to do anything but disappoint their fans, they've got to change their habits significantly. And whether it's our play, whether it's the penalty kill, you cannot afford surprises on either. And shorthanded goals against significant power plays, who we display for all to see the depth of the power play. To hell with the depth. Find your three best forwards and your two best defensemen. And if they're complaining, then you tell them to cut off the shorthanded goals. The coach has got to take over the team as fast as he can, or he'll be gone before they even get to the playoffs. Well, and you could almost read the uh, Senators' faces. Like they were sort of, oh, oh, we can do this? Okay, then we're going to do it, because yeah. they really have no that's choice. Right. That's, that's what they have to do. And, yes, they have to play the game that way, Jim, and when uh, DJ Smith calls the timeout. He brings them all over, takes the timeout to get his best players on, goes out, and lo and behold, they made it look like they were breaking sticks. <laughs> that goal was inevitable, and it's tied. And uh, I, I just, I, I, I didn't see the kind of responsibility that I'm expecting from a team that legitimately has a chance to win the President's Trophy. The President's Trophy is not made up of the players that played last night's game for the Leafs. Well, there was a throwback. We've seen that over the years. I'm just sort of disappointed oh, sure. to have it, have it come out now, but so be it. I don't um, think we were expecting it, though, Jim. I, I, no. I don't know why. I think it's something to do with uh, not having made the playoffs but once in the last 10 15 years. I don't know what it is. That's that's maybe unfair. I'm just sure. But they're, they're not what they, you would call playoff hounds. Yeah. Um, the Galchenyuk 
trade. What do you think of that? Well, Galchenyuk's been traded twice each year in the last three, and this is his third trade for this year. Galchenyuk is, uh, you look him up uh, in the dictionary, he's under total unachiever. Somebody on the Toronto Maple Leafs organization thinks they can bring back Galchenyuk as the third pick overall and start him all over again. That's all I can say because I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot hole. And I don't, that's nothing to do with his personality or what he's like personally. I don't know. All I know is that when he gets with a good team, after he had his luck with Montreal, uh, he, he just, he doesn't, he doesn't do it. Pittsburgh, he was brutal. Minnesota, he was brutal. Ottawa, he was worse. Now he's in Toronto. Well, I don't know. I, I, I don't think the, you like to prejudge anyone, but whose spot's he going to take? Well, and he's got a pretty hefty salary, although I imagine that that's almost down to the bone now because the teams that have traded have only been able to trade him by biting off a piece of his salary. It's just over a million, and I don't know if Carolina assumed any of that or not. But, I mean, what it does do is it, it opens up the door of discussion about the makeup of the bottom six. And, and once you start doing that, you have to realize what we said earlier about the second line. The second line is not functioning. And now, you know, there's a, there's a worry about having the right role players in the bottom six. And uh, I don't, I don't know that this is the time to be worrying about that. That should have been done before, shouldn't it? Have? Well, it should have, but I, I don't know where Galchenyuk's going to fit in there. He's got no responsibility about him. He's irresponsible. And you know, Jim, as we talk, Jason Spetz's name comes up, and so does his image, every time I think of league success in the last, you know, this season. Yeah. Jason Spezza is a better centerman right now than John Tavares. And if I was running the team, I would say, okay, Jason, we're moving you up to the second center hole, and we're going to let John play in the fourth. Now, that's a, that's, that's a bold move. But something has to be done make this team realize that as much as they've had a great start, they are underachievers. Underachievers in the sense that they don't take upon themselves any responsibility that might be subtle. Any responsibility that isn't apparent. And this is what happens when you lose a four-goal lead in essentially the third period. And it's disappointing. I don't know that you can do anything about it. But I do know that you can't expect any more from Austin Matthews. You and I talked about that last time we were on. Uh, Austin Matthews has to be the guy that charges that offense. And when you get up five to one, the guy has done his job. Now it's time for the rest to take over and be responsible for not being anything but an even on the ice. We don't want any scored against us. But that's not the way. There's somebody in the second, third, and fourth line that wants to pad his offense. And I, I am summarily unimpressed with Tavares and the way he plays the game. And I hope that he finds the $11 million pleasurable, and I hope he finds a way of in some way contributing at least a third of its value to his team. Well, and, you know, the other thing is we're talking about the lines and who's on them. It appears, now looking back, I think it's a four-game sample size, that the Wayne Simmons departure 
has been catastrophic in, in some areas. Uh, the last night's power play goal by uh, Matthews was the first one since Simmons' power play goal uh, about a week and a half ago against Vancouver. I mean, that's, that just should never be a statement that I should say. I, mean, I don't understand how you could go three games without a power play goal with this team. Well, uh, that's, that, that's a subtlety, too, that is apparent to most of us, but is not apparent to the people that run the team. Wayne Simmons brought with him great Scarborough boy attitude, plays the game for what it is and what he can contribute, and no one frightens him. Outside of him in that lineup, that's the only player that provides that particular commodity, which is an invaluable resource to the Leafs. When Simmons is there, Nobody's afraid. Because he told them, unfortunately, that he'll look after them. Well, he's not there now. So whenever they play in crisis, they're not playing like they can. They're playing with their heads on a, on a swivel, looking for somebody to hit them, and nobody to back them up. Because they can't back up themselves, and the other guys don't give a damn. Uh, they, may, they may feign backing up a guy that just got clobbered, but they don't. It's, it's, it's apparent to anyone that plays against them, and it's apparent to anybody that plays with them. They do not like the adversity of having to address another player on a personal basis face-to-face. Well, that's, uh, that was great. Thanks very much, buddy. Yeah, let's go down the hall to door number two, our second guest, Terry Koshan from The Sun. And before I bring Terry in, a reminder that, of course, the Leafs get Ottawa twice more on home ice this week. So this story is not done. This is chapter one, and it doesn't look good. But uh, Wednesday and Thursday, the Leafs will play at home to Ottawa and then go on to Montreal on Saturday. So this could be an interesting three games to finish off the week for the Leafs. And certainly they've got a bad taste in their mouth after game one. Here is Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun. Okay, so how is it you could be up 5-1 to one at, what, 1901 of the second, or, yeah, the second period, and then for the rest of the game, which is, you know, another 20 minutes plus 21 minutes plus overtime, you're, the highlight of the next, the rest of the game is a double minor penalty kill. How is that even possible? Well, you know, I'll go back to what, Keith said last night, Jim, um, when he was asked, what didn't you like when it was after it became 5-1? He said, I didn't like what was happening before it was 5-1. And uh, I could see what he was saying. I mean, the Leafs get out to that 2 nothing lead and and things look good. The, the Marner-Matthews-Thornton line is dominating, uh, you know, not giving up a single thing and getting lots of chances. And, you know, they score a goal. Travis Boyd scores a nice one. The Leafs look like they're on their way. And even when, you know, Ottawa scored later in the period, it still didn't have a thought of, you know, things going off the rails. But um, it was just a a little too loose. And, you know, Keith said last night, careless and sloppy. And and you could see that happening. Could you see it happening to the extent that you would allow a four-goal lead to disappear into the night? No, uh, I didn't see that. I don't think many people did. But, um, you know, uh, this team hasn't had to – uh, take many things on the chin yet this this winter. Um, definitely, uh, we got to keep in mind they're still in first overall. 
and uh, they haven't had to learn many lessons. But, you know, I, I guess the biggest thing that surprises me about last night, Jim, is that um, they knew what they were getting in Ottawa. They knew that there's resilience there. On January 15th, the Leafs gave, up, Leafs gave up four in a row in Ottawa and lost that game. A month later, they give up five in a row and lose this game to Ottawa. So, uh, you know, no practice today, no availability. There, there will be, there's going to have to be adjustments made for tomorrow. But, um, you know, it, it's a little puzzling that uh, that the Ottawa Senators last overall have been able to do this to the Leafs twice now in three games. But the Leafs just got to be a lot more careful with the puck and, and not, you know, they say afterwards, well, we don't take them. We don't take any team loosely. Well, you don't sit there and say that you're going to take a team loosely or, or lightly, sorry, but the way you play indicates that maybe you did a bit. I think that's what happened to Leafs last night. Well, I mean, there's, there's an emotional outburst that you can have from analyzing this game and I'm not going to crap on that. I think that should happen, but, but sometimes when I go back over things, I look at, uh, I call them schedule losses just because the team had been playing so well, uh, and you can sometimes connect the dots. Uh, when you look at Saturday, they were out ahead, what, 46-16? Yeah. Montreal slowly ground them down and won by the slimmest of margins. The next outing, they have the big lead, and then there's nothing there. So you can connect the dots, but the best news for the Leafs is they get Ottawa twice more this week and then finish it off with Montreal. So there's a way for the Leafs to answer this back. But, uh, you know, no no doubt about it, there's a line in the sand. That loss to Montreal and, and the loss Monday night to Ottawa stick out at this point. Well, you, certainly last night. You, I mean, so so what if you lose 3-2 or 2-1 to Ottawa and it's a hard-fought game and maybe they get a lucky goal and win, okay? You can accept that a lot more than what happened. Yeah. Listen, the, the, the overall, the, the, the top team in the NHL points-wise is the Maple Leafs. The, the worst team points-wise is Ottawa Senators. And when it comes right down to it, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't be losing two out of three to them like the Leafs have already. And, uh, you know, I, I thought earlier on, I thought the Senators had a better record than what they have. They've had their own troubles and everything. And, you know, I thought that, I even said this to you, I think, earlier, that they could be a team that could upset the apple cart a bit in the top four and, and get some points where, you know, some of those top four teams otherwise should have had them. Well, we've seen it now with the Leafs twice. And, you know, yes, the Leafs do get a point last night, but uh, – you know, I don't know. I, I the Montreal game, they're out hitting everything, and and uh, you know, it was uh, for whatever reason they lost some some gas and momentum in the third. That should have had no bearing on what happened last night and going in against Ottawa. At least had more than enough time to prepare. Um, they're playing a team that doesn't win hockey games. Period. They're struggling in a lot of areas, and yet here they come and uh, have this comeback like they do. So, yeah, you're right. You don't want to have too much of the emotional reaction to it. But the fact is, it's inexcusable against this team. Uh, that's all there is to it. I, hey, I'm like a lot of people, Jim. I like what the Leafs have done in a lot of these one-goal games. They, they they put the pedal down, the clamp down, whatever you want to call it, and shut teams down and out and have won those games. Uh, it still doesn't excuse what happened last night. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It leaves a mark. There's no question about it. It tells you that as much as you'd like to believe they've moved on from their past problems or they can still rear their ugly head at any moment. If you take your foot off the gas, mm -hmm. uh, what, what comes out of this for me is sort of an overview based on the Galchenyuk acquisition before the game, based on the Tavares Hyman and Nylander line, not really performing well. And yeah. based on the amount of scrutiny we, we continue to give 
the the third and fourth lines and, and who's going to play on them more so the, the fourth line although the third line is wanting in in some areas although there's some promise there but but it's the the forward unit construction after the first line really uh, you know a cause of concern and it shouldn't be should it no it shouldn't but you know one thing i will say is uh well listen you don't count on the injuries that you've had to some of those important people at thornton and um and Wayne Simmons, and I would even argue a guy like Nick Robertson, who I, who I think had he not been hurt in that game against Ottawa early on, uh, he would have been in the lineup and we'd be talking more about him. Um, but the fact of the matter is, uh, Sheldon, or sorry, uh, um, Kyle Dubas made these moves in the offseason to to uh, fill in the holes when you know that injuries are going to arise. And uh, you haven't seen the production. I mean, once you get past the first line, uh, whoever, and really I'm talking about Matthews and Marner here, and then fill in the blank has ever been has been on that wing with them uh there's a real dart there of five on five production and Tavares and Nylander aren't clicking um you know maybe Hyman with a longer look can get them going there uh the third line I don't know what to say Jimmy VC got a hell of an opportunity here and, and is more or less blowing it uh he's been revealed for the player that he is he's just not that good and you know what um some nights, sometimes, I, some shifts, I think, Jim, we should be referring to the fourth line as the third one, just the way that they have good offensive zone pressure and get their opportunities and the effort that they bring. Um, my good friend Don Brennan of the Ottawa Sun tweeted last night something about uh, it's just the best we've seen Jason uh, Spezza skate in a long time, and and I'm with them on that. Spezza, I think, looks really good there. Travis Boyd has added something. Um, you know, and if I'm Alex Galchenyuk, uh, listen, do we expect anything from him? Not a lot. Is it a, a project for the Leafs? Of course it is. I'm Galchenyuk, and I've I've had some of the success I've had in the league earlier on. And looking at the bottom six and licking my chops, going, boy, if I can get my act together here, there's a real opportunity for me. Because you know, Mikheyev is bringing a lot of good things. I get that, but still, with the one goal, that's going to be a bit of a sore point. I, I don't know how long Pierre Engvall would be for this lineup if everybody was healthy. Um, Alex Kerfoot, I think, has underperformed. And like I said, VC is uh, is working his way down the lineup. There's no line to come after the fourth line, of course, and uh, unless you're sitting in the press box. And I think when they're fully healthy, if they do get fully healthy, they'll have more injuries before guys like Simmons and Robertson come back. VC is definitely going to be, I think, a guy on the outside looking in. But um, somehow they have to find a way to, to not, to, you know, rely as much on Matthews and Marner at five on five. And then, you know, when, when we see the, uh, the, uh, the power play not produce as much as it has been, that becomes a little more of a focal point, but fact of the matter is you still at the other end, you shouldn't be giving up six goals to the Ottawa senators. So I think we're minus 30 in goal differential going into last night. Well, you opened a couple of doors. Let's deal with the power play. And so it went three games. It went from the, the Wayne Simmons last game, uh, to last night with with no power play goals. It's three games, and I know there's not a lot of opportunities, but this is a top-end unit, and then they get a five-on-three goal and then allow one on a five-on-four. I mean, that I, I don't understand what's happening with that power play. Yeah, that was uh, a bit of ugly ugliness last night. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, it's I don't know it's because the, the, the teams are adjusting to them, and now it's on, you know, Manny Malhotra to, to come up with adjustments for the Leafs when they have the man advantage. I think obviously, Jim, you take a guy like Wayne Simmons out of the equation and it does something to to both units. The one that he's on, obviously, but, you know, when you get momentum off one and you don't score, it just, you know, it gives that second group coming over the boards 
uh, a little more to work with. And uh, the Leafs just haven't had that. Simmons, I think, was a vital part of that. Um, John Tavares was really hot in the power play to start the season. First week or so, I think it was four power play goals that he had with a man advantage. And I don't know that he's had any since. So, you know, um, Marner made the comment Saturday about the Leafs getting too cute with it. I think he was speaking uh, overall. Uh, but I think that would apply to what they're doing when they have the man advantage and, you know, recognizing when, when teams will make adjustments to them and, and be a little more uh, aggressive in that sort of thing. So um, again, it, it's something that you can iron out here without too many exclamation marks, I would think, just given the team's record. But, you know, as, as Keith said yesterday, um, given the amount of games that you're playing and, and given the fact you're playing the same, you know, five, six teams all the time, uh, a lot can change standing wise if you don't if you reel off a few losses in a row. It's two now for the Leafs, and uh, you know I don't think they want to get into a situation where they're losing again tomorrow night. But special teams has to be better, and, and, and you know the shorthanded goals really just technically won last night, but uh, you know at shorthanded too, the Leafs have to be doing a better job in the penalty kill than they have been. So that'll bring us to the second line, and we were expecting a revival with Hyman back with Tavares and Nylander, and. Yeah. Really, Tavares and Nylander have different issues for me. Tavares looks so uh, bright and sharp in the early going, but looks worn down now. Nylander's just a frustrated goal scorer. I mean, it's it's tough to watch. Well, I don't know what's happening with Nylander, Jim. I mean, what he scored 31 goals last year, and 25 or 26 were from that, that difficult area within 10 or 15 feet of the net. So he was getting his nose dirty. We're not seeing that this year. I mean, two goals in the opener and two since. It's just... It's odd. It, you know, you can be a frustrated goal scorer you want. Ilya Mikheyev is probably a frustrated goal scorer to me, not a guy you, you rely on to score goals all the time. Is he playing like he's letting frustration set in? Nope, not at all. Um, just the one goal to speak of. Uh, Nylander, I don't know. They, they have to find a way around that. And uh, you know what? It, it, the frustration for him might be that the puck's not going in for him, but from the staff, it's got to be too that, he saw what he was capable. We saw what he was capable of bringing last season, and whether the puck's going in for you or not, that shouldn't wane for you. But it has for him. And and then on Tavares, um, you know, it's like a bit of a squeezing water from a stone right now. It's just uh, it's hard to say. He's you know he's at his point point of game pace more or less. But you know, a lot of that was coming on the power play earlier on, like we said, and uh, you know. I, it's, it's interesting to see what the Leafs go ahead with now. Like like you say, you give Hyman a shot there and see if he can kind of get those guys going um, because you're certainly not breaking up the top two. And uh, I like what Thornton brought back to that line last night. So so leave those three alone. But, you know, the, the Leafs do have the depth on paper and everything, I think. And, you know, it's on that second line to find something. And, but as far as Nylander goes, it's hard to say how you light a fire in him. Maybe you go back over last year and say, and I'm sure the staff has done this, here's how you were successful last season, really. Take a long look at all of a lot of these goals you were scoring and apply that to now uh, because, you know, whatever is, he's doing, it's not working. Well, and, and to me, that's a, that's a sort of a dangerous signal that you have to sort of um, rehabilitate a, a goal score. I mean, yeah. But when you look at how the team is built, uh, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, those four guys have to drive this thing, and, and two of them, for whatever reason, aren't. And that, that's a big void. It is, because then, you know, it, it, it takes some credence away from the idea that you do have a lot of depth at forward, right? Because if, if they're not doing it, 
then you look at your third and fourth lines to pick up some of that slack. And I know that we've talked about the fourth line and they have done that. And and really, there's no issue with them. That's not really who I'm speaking about here. It's that third line then who has to step into the breach a bit. And they haven't, you know. There was a nice story last week in Montreal when when uh, Travis Dermott and Justin Hall both scored for the first time in a long time. But, um, you know, one reason why it was such a good story for the Leafs is that they haven't been getting that secondary scoring from a lot of their forwards. And you need that. And obviously you can't rely on, you know, the Travis Dermott's and the Justin Halls of the world to score goals for you every night. That's, you know, you can't rely on that, nor should you. It's not expected. Uh, the people being paid to do that uh, haven't done it. And, um, you know, it's it's on the staff to get them out of this funk. And and there's no reason why it shouldn't happen. I mean, everybody's playing a lot of hockey. Everybody's playing every other night. It doesn't, you know, that the schedule shouldn't matter. Um, you know, the Leafs are getting their rest when they should. I mean, all of that's planned out off the ice today. You know, I think they're scheduled to be off the ice Friday as well after the back-to-back with Ottawa. So that's there. Um, but they have to find it within themselves to be better. They're capable of it. Nylander's capable of it. We saw it. He's not incapable. And you're right. It is a bit of a, a bit of a siren going off. If you have to kind of take a goal scorer back and, 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 you know, motivate or light that fire, however you want to put it, but for whatever reason, it has to be done. And with Tavares, um, you know, I, I will not, uh, you cannot knock the man's effort. Uh, that's there every night. I think he's a good person to follow in, in, with that lead, but um, he's just got to find a way to be more effective uh, in the offensive zone. Well, and you would expect, uh, you know, obviously Nylander is judged by his offense, but you would expect or, or hope that if he's not scoring, that he's doing something uh, solid defensively. And, and you know, I, I just think that there has to be more from him uh, because if you start running your, if you start grading your performance on your totals, that's not going to go anywhere. And I just think he has to sort of look in the mirror and and uh, you know hit the reset button because there's more there, obviously. Yeah, there there is, and I I would agree with you on that. You know, one. Back to Tavares for a minute too. One thing Keith said about him the other night was, you know, we like we like his defensive play, the things he's doing when the team doesn't have the puck and that sort of thing. Well, well that's great, but when you're making the money that John Tavares is, and you've been in the league as long as you, you you can, you have been, and you're the captain and all this sort of thing, and you're thought of you're a second line center on one of the you know the more offensively skilled teams in the league, yep. you got to be bringing it to the other end. I mean. You just you can't fall back on the, the you know the improvement in defensive responsibilities. I would hope they'll be part of the package for for that comes with the contract that he signed. And you know the same to a lesser degree with Nylander, not making that that sort of the coin, of course, but doesn't matter. I mean, you know, the, the perception too of Nylander. I mean, you know, every so often we see the flyby Jim on on what otherwise could have been not even laying out the body or rating somebody. Yeah, I'd do it if you want, but even getting a stick on somebody and we're not seeing that as much from him. Um, like I say, it, it's not, there, there's no reason for it. Uh, there just isn't. And I've said it again, but it's on the staff to, to, to find, there, it is in there. We know it because we've seen it. You know, it'd be one thing if he came back last year and struggled again after the struggles he had after signing that contract just over two years ago now. That didn't happen. So it is in there, and it, is, it has to be frustrating for Keith and his group that they have to go back to the um, to the drawing board, so to speak, to get something from him. Well, when you said the flyby, for whatever reason, I got an image of John Tortorella behind the league's bench. How do you think he would handle that? Well, 
I don't know. <laughs> Would Nylander look good playing for the Winnipeg Jets? I don't know. You know, I, it, it's true. It, it, now, it's funny, though. You know, Keith was asked about that last week and the whole – because having played for Tortorella in the past like he did and yeah. the benching of, of Dubois and Line A, we found out later the Line A thing was something different altogether, the reason for the benching. And, you know, the, the one thing he said was that it, it wouldn't be a spur-of-the-moment decision. It would be a lot of things that – that the, the coach and the player would have gone over and that the coach ne- isn't necessarily seeing the improvements in. Well, given that philosophy, is Nealon are not right for something similar? I would think so. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, again, it's with, with the club that's, you know, 11-3-2 and, 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 and first overall points-wise in the league. So, you know, having said that, though, you, you can't let these things go on too long. And, um, you know... They have to be nipped in the bud before the L's continue to pile up. Well, I mean, let's be honest here. We're talking about a blown 5-1 lead, but yeah. but if you want to go back, and we went back to the Montreal game, let's go back to the previous Montreal game where all the secondary scoring covered over some deficiencies. So this really is three games in a row where they're, you know, and they've gotten away with things. They have well, a win, an overtime loss, a loss. So if you're, if you're coaching or if you're analyzing, you're on the coaching staff, you know where this trend started. It's actually three games ago, if not if not deeper. Yeah, and you know what? I think you can even go back to a couple of wins against Vancouver, Jim. Um, the uh, the last two, you know, it, it goes back to what you said last night: the carelessness with the puck. I mean, they're they're giving up the puck too much. They're giving up the puck a lot more in the past five games than they did in the first eleven. Um, and uh, just numbers alone, I mean, it's it's something that they have to get a cap on, and you know playing Vancouver and the struggles they've having, they, they weren't getting good goaltending when they were playing the Leafs. Um, that was able to talk about masking some deficiencies. I think that that worked in Toronto's favor for sure. But now, you know, you play Montreal who who puts things down a lot tighter than most teams do, although than any other team does in, in their, in the North division. And the Leafs win one with some goals from people who don't score them and, and then lose by a goal the next night. So I don't know. It's, um, there, there is a way out of it. I mean, like we say, we got to keep in mind the Leafs have shown in a lot of their games where they have been close games that they have done good things in the third period, whether it's holding on to a one-goal lead or breaking a tie to score the deciding goal. It's in them. They're capable of it. Uh, it is just two losses. But, again, you don't want uh, habits to, to to roll up a bit. And keeping in mind, too, that like we keep, like I've said a few times, you're playing the same teams over and over again, uh, the adjustments are going to be made. You're, no one's seeing anything new now. Uh, certainly the Leafs won't be the next two nights. They won't be Saturday, um, you know, in Montreal. They won't be next week when the Flames are in here for a couple on Monday and Wednesday. Uh, you're seeing a lot of the same things again. So, you know, this is where perhaps we, we see the uh, the medal of, uh, of Sheldon Keefe and his coaching abilities and how you're able to make these adjustments as you go along and, and doing it without the experience that you um, – you have at the NHL level. This is where your your experienced coaching staff, Dave Haxtell, Manny Malhotra, uh, Paul McLean, uh, should shine. And, um, you know, I would imagine that Keith is the type of person who uses all of the people around him um, the best that he can. And I would think that there are, there's going to have to be some assistance in that regard here going forward. Okay, just before we let you go, I noticed you, you put out some Marley tweets this morning. Good to yeah. see you back. What's the latest there? Well, you know, uh, they get their season going last night. And you talk about a lot of games, a lot of nights. What do they have? Four in Winnipeg and then four in Calgary to start this season. And um, 
Rob Rasmus Sandin, day to day with a bone contusion after blocking a shot last night. Greg Moore didn't didn't seem overly concerned about it, but you know, I, as with always with the Marlies, Jim, you're, you're curious to see as to how some of these players, the Leafs are going to be counting on at some point this season, how they perform, and ob- the obvious guy is Nick Robertson, right? Uh, getting back at it last night after his injury, and um, you know. Like I mentioned earlier, I think he's a guy that, you know, would have been part of this this 12-man group uh, right now had he not been hurt in that early game against Ottawa because he brings that type of effort and determination that uh, Sheldon Keefe wants in his lineup and, quite frankly, it's something that some of the veterans could be showing now. So um, I'm with Keefe on, you know, Keefe saying the other day when, when, when Robertson was cleared to play, likely not going to be long before he gets another shot here with the Leafs in Toronto. And, uh, you know, good on Robertson to say to us this morning, well, look, um, my concentration is here with the Marlies. I'm not worried about the Leafs right now. What will come will come. My only worry is about getting myself back into game shape and uh, playing a lot of minutes with the Marlies and a lot of nights consecutively. So um, he's got the right attitude. I'll be I'll be more surprised than not if we don't see Robertson uh, back here, you know, relatively soon. Well, and that's the depth. So yeah. we, we spent a lot of time on, on the uh, the bottom six for the Leafs in the second line and, and sitting in the wings. Wayne Simmons will be back in about a month's time. Robertson working his way back and Galchenyuk acquired yesterday. So there is there is a lot of good depth there, isn't there? Yeah, there is. And you know, like I say, I mean, once you get those people back and provided there are no, in, no more injuries, you know, um, you take out some of the people who might expose you a bit. Um, and again, you know, a guy like Jimmy VC. I don't know how comfortable I am, you know, looking at this lineup now with everybody healthy. Galchenyuk, we'll see. But like I said, Jim, if I'm him, I'm looking at this going, okay, you wouldn't have thought so a month or so ago, but given the way some of the things have filtered out, there's a heck of an opportunity for me here, and I want to take full advantage of that. So if it comes from working with the Leafs Development Group, which we are led to believe he's going to do for the next little while here to get to try to get himself going, fine. But there will be an opportunity for him, I think, uh, you know, especially if, if there are more injuries. And I think we can expect that there will be. I don't think any team uh, thinks when they get through this unscathed, and certainly the Leafs haven't. And just given the amount of hockey they're playing in a short amount of time, we would figure on more injuries happening. But, uh, you know, fully healthy and everything, the depth is there. There's no doubt about it. I mean, even a guy like Adam Brooks who hasn't played much. I mean, he's a guy I think you could plug in with the speed that he brings eventually if you have to get to that and, and – and, and play as well. Joey Anderson's another one with the Marlies. These guys are the Marlies that are going to get a lot of opportunity now. That's one big difference, Jim, of the first month or six weeks, I guess month. You know, a lot of these guys on the taxi squad, they aren't really playing. Well, they're going to get a lot of those minutes now. So if you call them back and plug them back in, they'll be hitting the ground running. Terry, thanks very much. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jim. Last minute of play in this podcast. Okay, there's the time warning from PA announcer Mike Ross. We got to get this in heavy on the No Guy Awards, by the way. No Guy to the Leafs, a 5-1 lead blown on home ice to the Ottawa Senators. No Guy to the Leafs, up 5-1. The lead is dissipating. No adjustments. Hard No Guy for that. No Guy Award goes to the second line. Hyman moved down because of the return of Joe Thornton. Plays with his buddies Nylander and Tavares. Hyman did his job. Nylander and Tavares did not. No guy to the second line. There is one yes guy award. Austin Matthews, two goals, 13 on the season, but it was not enough. Leafs lose 6-5 in overtime. Hope you enjoyed episode 11 and hope you come back for episode 12 on Friday.